Good morning, Oikos. Uh, for those that don't know, it's been a while since I've been up here, but my name is Wynn. Rachel and I are church planters at a sister church called Oikos Montrose, and so I'm thankful that I get to be here today, thankful that I get to be in front of you all. And, and I told myself so many times this week that I was not going to reference Game of Thrones. I'll just, I'll get it out of the way early. So, so as we are continuing on our As She Goes series, as a quick recap, is we've talked about Deborah and what Deborah did is she sat under a tree and gave judgment over Israel because she was available to her people. And then we have Lydia who chose faith over fear. And then we have Dorcas that we talked about last week that she was always serving and always caring for those Lord sent. And today, we're going to be talking about Priscilla and Priscilla and her husband. And they were able to find what it looks like to find God in their everyday life, even when things were crazy. And so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to her story. When Paul arrived in Corinth, he met a Jewish man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. They were also tent makers, the same as Paul. So they decided to work together. Each week, Paul went to the synagogue and talked to the Jews. He explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Silas and Timothy finally rejoined him. It was soon after they arrived that the Jews rejected Paul's message. They even blasphemed the name of Christ. With that, Paul said, My conscience is clear. I told you the good news that Messiah had come. I explained how we have salvation through him. You've rejected it. Therefore, your blood is on your own heads. I'll give this message to the Gentiles. A few of the Jews believed in Christ, including the head of the synagogue. At the same time, a great number of Gentiles put their faith in Jesus. The Lord encouraged Paul in a dream. He said, don't be afraid. Keep talking about me. No one will hurt you here because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching and preaching God's word. One day, the Jews selected a new leader who organized an attack against Paul. A mob grabbed him and took him to the judge saying, this man is making our people worship God in ways that are the opposite of our law. Before Paul could defend himself, the judge yelled at the Jews, How dare you come to me with this? I don't care about your law. I spend my day punishing criminals, not arguing over words and names. Don't waste my time. He then drove them out of the court. A mob grabbed the leader of the synagogue and beat him in front of everyone. The judge didn't even look up. When Paul thought his work in Corinth was done, he decided to go back to Antioch. Aquila and Priscilla went with him as far as Ephesus. Paul preached at the synagogue there, and the people wanted him to stay longer and teach them. But he refused, saying, If God wills, I will come back. He then left and went to Jerusalem and on to Antioch. After Paul left Ephesus, a man named Apollos came to the synagogue. He was a powerful speaker and talked openly about Jesus. Unfortunately, he only knew what John the Baptist had taught. Aquila and Priscilla took him into their home 
and explain the things of God more accurately. After that, Apollos became a great preacher for God and was able to take the scriptures and clearly show that Jesus was the Messiah. Great, so there's a lot in that story, right? And most of it focuses on Paul and what he was doing. But for Priscilla and her husband Aquila, they were kind of the background, right? That they were the ones that really supported what Paul was doing in those in Corinth and also in Ephesus and Antioch, all over the movement that Paul was starting. And so on a quick glance, as you hear at the beginning of the story, that they were forced to move from Rome to Corinth, Priscilla and Aquila, that they, the Caesar said, no more Jews here, go back to where you came from. And so they are forced to relocate. And I know if that was for Rachel and I as a family, if we were forced to move um, because of the way we believed and what we believed and the way we practiced it, is it would be very difficult to ask and see where God was working. Like, why would we have to move? We were just fine in this city. We love Houston. We have family here. We have good jobs. Now I have to move? I mean, that'd be very difficult. And I think we all struggle to see God in our lives in different ways. That some of us maybe have never really seen God work. Or maybe for some of us, we know that God's present and active, but we add a little bit of stress, whether it's taking kids to their ball games, loving your kids, keeping the house straight, working a job, working with a stressful boss, having marital issues. You add a little bit of stress and, man, it's just so hard to remember that God was actually working. Or There's just distractions and we add it and add it. And so maybe some of us have never seen it or maybe it's really hard to see God active. And so perhaps like Priscilla and Aquila, as they were on a journey, maybe sometimes you feel like you were on a journey. A journey to find the next job, a journey to find a home. Maybe you actually physically moved from another city to here and hopefully finding a, a new start. Or maybe you're trying Oikos for the first time to find a new start. And you're on a journey. And I think for our whole lives, is that's kind of what we're on, is a, a journey of trying to figure out where our place is. Trying to figure out how God interacts with my life and where he belongs and actually where we belong in his story. And it's constant, trying to figure out, Lord, where are you in the midst of my life? And it's a struggle because there's so many voices that are so loud in our lives that speak so loudly that it's hard to believe that God is active. And so often our destination on our journey is, is one of loneliness. Not being able to find that family or find that new start or find people to follow or find a place to just say, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's hard. So I am thankful that each and every one of you is here today on that journey of life because this is where you're supposed to be. In this time, in this moment, God has put us all together for better or for worse to share a word with him, share some songs, share communion together. And there's meaning in that. There's meaning. And so Priscilla and Aquila were facing some of the same challenges as they were on this journey and starting a new place. 
In, the, in Acts, it says, Acts chapter 18, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. And so as I was preparing for this message this week, two things jumped out about Priscilla and Aquila in the way of life that they were living. And the first one was Priscilla and Aquila worked together in the same workplace. And the second is they made friends in their workplace. And so a question for you is how often do you feel like you are working on the same team as someone else, whether it's your spouse, a friend, your kids? Do you feel like you are working together or do you feel like you're working against each other? How often do you find yourself in a team that actually is healthy? Is it often? Is it never? How often do you find yourself working together? And I think for me, it's far too often I find myself operating in isolation. That I make decisions by myself. I do things that I want to do by myself. I don't worry how my decisions affect my wife or my church or my family. I kind of just live in isolation and how I make decisions because I like to live by myself, right? But I think for Priscilla and Aquila is they had a team together, husband, wife, working in the same workplace. Now, my wife is a teacher and I don't know if I could work in the same workplace as her. I don't know if that would be what I'm equipped to do. But I will say that what we're trying to do together is make friends within our workplace. And so um, a few months ago, we had uh, an opportunity to house our dog sit for uh, one of Rachel's co-teachers. So she was going to go on a trip on the weekend. And we offered, hey, we'll open up our house if you want to bring your dog by We'll do our best to take care of it. We're not really, hu- I'll be honest, we're not really huge dog people. I know for some of y'all, it's boo. But we love your dog, just not our own dog, right? And so we, we decided we'll, we'll open our, you know, our time and schedule so that they didn't have to bring it to a stranger's house or bring it to a, a place that they could keep it overnight, a kennel. And so we decided to do that. And um, so it comes over Friday afternoon. And we're, uh, you know, trying to play with it and get to know it. And we take it on a walk outside and it doesn't go to the bathroom. And we're like, okay, it's fine. So we bring it back inside. We play with it a little bit. And then we take it back out again for the bathroom. Doesn't want to do it. That's fine. And so then we, the next day comes along, Saturday. Take it out again, bathroom. Doesn't want to do it. Then again, Saturday comes. Doesn't want to go to the bathroom. And uh, so we're like, okay, it's fine. Maybe it's just nervous. And then Sunday morning, we put it in the kennel because we were leaving to go to church. And we put it inside, and it's fine. It, it's lived in the, you know, had the cage for a while. It's used to it. And then we come back from church in the morning, and we find that the dog's not inside the kennel. 
and we don't know where it is. We, and we have a one-bedroom house, so there's only two places it could be, the living room or the bedroom. And the bedroom door is closed, which is weird for us. And we open the door slowly, and we find the dog inside. We're like, okay, it's here. And then we are horrified to see that all the times it didn't go to the bathroom, that it had gone all over our bedroom. And furthermore, it stepped in it. I know this is gross. <laughs> and jumped all over our bed, all over our curtains, you name it, it was covered. And in that moment, I was like, we are trying to be friends and we're trying to, to serve our coworkers of Rachel's apartment. And then we just had to laugh because in those moments of sheer poop everywhere, <laughs> that we had to pause for a minute and say, this is kind of funny. This is like a movie, you know, like the parents go on the weekend and the kids come home and just trash the house, right? And so we are trying to work together as a team. And I'll be honest, my first reaction was, Rachel, how could you let your coworker's dog do this to our house? And it was the wrong attitude, right? The attitude was, should have been, we could do this together. And now we get the memory that I get to share together. And so how often are you working as a team or do you just want to make decisions in isolation? And I think for me is I far too often look to blame those that the Lord has given me when something goes wrong instead of working as a team. And then number two is Priscilla and Aquila made friends in their workplace. And so maybe you can substitute workplace. You can put they made friends with their neighbors but friends with other parents, as you look at where your life goes on a daily basis, is they made friends with their workplace. So she befriended Paul. And quite honestly, Paul had a pretty dark past. Paul was known to the Jews for being someone that killed Christians. And now he shows up in the city that they were sent to, and they befriended him. And I love the word that it uses in Scripture. It didn't say that they were like all jolly and great together. It said that they were acquainted with. Acquaintances, we know things about their lives, right? When we think of an acquaintance, we don't think like our kids play together all the time or I go out to uh, drinks after work together. We just kind of know things about each other. But they made friends with Paul. They made friends with the one person in their workplace that probably had the dirtiest past. And this is happening in Corinth, which Paul later writes a letter to the church in Corinth saying, guys, remember my past? Remember how dirty it was and messy it was? But yet God still loves me. Remember that? I'm reminding you that he loves you too. That even though my life seems dirty and the Lord loved me. Dirty, dark past. That he's going to love you guys too. And so Priscilla and Aquila befriended the weirdo. Right? The, befriended the one hard person. And so how often do you think that you are willing to befriend a coworker or a neighbor 
or a friend, or maybe your wife or husband's coworker, their friends, because that brings unity together. That there's some friends that I don't want to have, <laughs> but I have. And there's some friends that I don't want to get to know of Rachel's, but they're my friends too. And so this is what the way of life Priscilla and Aquila were living. That they worked together and they made friends. They worked together and made friends. And in Proverbs 8.17, it says, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. And so I think for our lives is how often are we searching and believing that we're going to find the Lord? I know for me is, like I said earlier, it's easy to forget what he does in our lives. It's easy to pass by a day and not know the Lord is working in your life. But when it says those who search will surely find, is I think that's what Priscilla and Aquila did. That they worked together, made friends, and sure enough, they found God in that practice. Sure enough, they were able to see what the Lord was doing in their lives because of what they were doing. And so Priscilla and Aquila had humility and perseverance. And humility means submission. I'll say that again because it's hard for me. I'm going to take that pill to swallow. Humility takes submission. And it means our lives gain purpose not by what we find, but our lives gain purpose by what Jesus finds in us and what Jesus is doing with us. And to submit to what the Lord actually wants for our lives. And that can look like walking out of church today, and saying, Lord, I know that one person that annoys me that you want me to be friends with, then reach out. Even if I don't believe that it can actually lead somewhere. Or the Lord wants me to follow him. What does that look like? And as Proverbs say, if we search for him, surely we'll find him. And maybe that's an unanswered prayer. Maybe it's a prayer that you have prayed 50,000 times. Have not the Lord work through it yet. It takes humility to pray that prayer once again. So humility and submission. And then perseverance means to continue um, even when you face difficulty and obstacles. Again, do we believe that we can find the Lord in everyday life? Are we willing to be persistent in that prayer to believe that he is active and working? Do we believe that even when we try to make friends and no one wants to make friends with us, that the Lord is active? Or even if we're trying to find our place in this world and we can't find it, that the Lord is active? That even when we're trying to find out those who love us, we can't find who loves us, that we believe the Lord loves us? It takes perseverance. And perseverance takes risk. 
Am I willing to risk failure again to press into that prayer? Am I willing to get rejected one more time? Am I willing to show up at church and hear nothing but just be there? Am I willing to step into a missional community because I know I find love there, even though I haven't before? It takes perseverance. And so for Priscilla and Aquila, to start a new life takes a lot of risk. But they did it. It takes a lot of risk to follow a guy named Paul. They did it. And it takes a lot to actually start a church like we will find out that they did. And so there's a story of persistence that I saw this week. Um, many of y'all know that Monday through Friday we work, uh, or we, we meet at Target for devotions. And we're there Monday through Thursday, 8.15 to about 9.15. So if you want to join us, there, that's, there's that invitation. But this particular Monday, last week, Mariko Peterson asked us, hey, can you bring devotions to my new salon, Brush and Bobby? Can we, can we go bless the, the new building that we have and the new business? And of course we went. And, uh, and just to hear her story of how she started with her business was for me astounding. That she, and don't worry, I asked her if I could use her name. She said, yes, it's fine. That she, her dream was, uh, came to her a long time ago, decades ago. And she wanted to start her own salon. And so she knew that that was the vision the Lord had given her to say, start something new. And she was patient enough to say, that's not right now. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to force my way into this thing. I'm going to be patient. And then she identified the person, the business partner that she wanted to do business with. And she approached that business partner and she said, no, I'm not going to do it right now. And then a couple years pass and she approaches that business partner again and says, well, do you want to do that salon thing together? And the answer was maybe. And then she waited a couple years and approached the business partner again. And, and she said, do you want to be business partners? She said, yes persistence, right? And furthermore, she, she was patient for the right person to be a team with. And then furthermore, she was patient enough to wait for the right spot to build her business. That she wasn't just rushing into the easiest location or the easiest business plan, that they worked this business plan together. And I've only been to a salon one time. This was Mariko's salon. But I had no idea the ministry that actually goes on to the people that sit in those chairs. And to hear Mariko talk about the ladies that come in and just share their story with her, that their mom died and that they just want their hair to look nice for the funeral. That she actually sees her business not as just a way to make money, but she ministers to people that come in that place all the time. And she wanted to start her business with Oikos coming and blessing it and saying, I want the Lord present in this place. And so I was thinking directly, that's what Priscilla was doing. Let's build some tents. Let's make some friends. Let's love people of Corinth. Just like Mariko, let's build a salon, cut people's hair, do makeup. That's about all I know that salons do. Maybe they're, I'm missing some things. And love people. And make friends. 
And do you see it, guys? This is the beginnings of a church. They just love people and you make friends with them. It's the beginnings of a church. It doesn't have to be a big building. It doesn't have to be with a pastor as the main person. Uh, I'm going to get crucified for that one. But it can be with anyone that wants to love people and care for them. It's the beginnings of a church. And Paul knew that this was a couple that I want to build something with. And so that's what he did. And then as the story continues, it says, each Sabbath, Paul, or each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogues trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul sent, spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. What Priscilla and Aquila were doing was significant enough that people wanted to come from other cities to check out what they were doing. That what they were doing was significant enough that people were curious about what was going on. Lives were being changed. So Paul and Silas, or Timothy and Silas said, let's go check that out. Ministry was happening. And now you see a switch for what Paul was doing was he was working as a tent maker and now it says he was spending all his time preaching in the synagogue. That what was going on in Corinth was a movement that people wanted to be friends with these people. And so our vision at Oikos is 100 churches and 1,000 MCs in five years. 100 churches and 1,000 MCs in five years. It starts with the salons. It starts with opening your house. It starts with making friends with your neighbors and your coworkers and being a team together. That people were curious about what Priscilla and Aquila were doing. And they wanted to join it. It starts small and grows. And I think for Priscilla and Aquila that they had no clue what they were doing. They weren't professionally trained. They weren't told what, where to meet or how to do it. They simply just worked tents and loved people. And it grew. And it grew. There's something about being around friendly people, right, that attracts us to them. No one wants to be friends with the grouch, do they? No one wants to be friends with Ken, do they? (laughs) Friendly people are attractive, right? Friendly people, what they really is attractive about them is the love that they show of Jesus inside of them. Friendly people are attractive to be around. I like smiles. I like people that enjoy talking about life. And that's where the Lord's inviting us to start. Is to be a friendly people. And so later, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they started the church in Corinth. 
They begin there, and then Paul and Priscilla and Aquila move to another city and start a church there in Ephesus. And we think that while they were in Ephesus, Paul writes this letter back to the church that in Corinth that they started. And it says, the church is here in the providence of Asia, send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. That Priscilla and Aquila use their house as gatherings for the church. And that they love the people that they left in Corinth and continued to love them. And that Priscilla and Aquila were, they were hospitable wherever they went. Didn't matter if they were living in Rome, didn't matter if they were living in Corinth or Ephesus, the way of life they lived was the same. And they found meaning in the way of life that they lived. So for us, it doesn't matter if we are working at the job we are now or we move to another job or if we're single or married for a long time, no kids or have kids, if our lives are perfect or disrupted, if we have everything together or not, doesn't matter. The invitation to love people and to be hospitable is always there. And when you love people, you will actually find meaning in yourself. You find meaning in yourself. So Jesus, we look at his life and we say, he lived a really, really perfect life, huh? And then we look at Priscilla and Aquila and we say, they lived a pretty nice life too. But they're not Jesus and we're not Jesus. So we can start somewhere. And for Jesus, as he was on the cross, as he was in one of his darkest moments, um, he whispers and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That even in Jesus' darkest moment, He's saying, I want to love these people still, Lord. Forgive them. They have no clue. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, because I have no clue. And so that's the invitation today, is to look upon those around us that the Lord has placed and said, can I love them? And start small. Start small. And in Proverbs eighteen seventeen, I'm going to repeat Repeat that again. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. The Lord loves us deeply today. Cares for us deeply today. Even if we don't know where we fit in, like I said, we fit in with God's family. We fit in with God. The circumstances surrounding it might look different, Things might change. We're on a journey together. But the Lord is still present with us because he loves us and cares for us. Because he cares for us. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you today as a people that need you. And we come to you today as people that need to receive from you. We need forgiveness, we need love, we need care, we need a place. And so remind us that we can always find who we are in the midst of you, in the midst of your people. That we can always find what you're asking us to do in the midst of you and your people. And so continue to encourage us to be nice to people, to make friends, uh, to work as a team with those that you've sent. And remind us that we are loved by you. And that when we search for you, that you don't hold yourself back, but you give to us freely. And you say that we will find you. And what a better treasure to find than you, Lord. And so remind us today of who you are and who we are. In your name we pray. Amen.